This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So I, I just want to go back a little bit to, um, to Pasha's Holdo, something I spoke about in the past, but I have a little bit to add to it. So last week's Pasha was a very interesting Pasha. It talks about that Yitzchak, who was 40 years old, um, and Yitzchak davened opposite his wife, because she was barren, she couldn't get, she had, she had no children, wasn't able to have children. And Hashem listened to him. Hashem listened to Yitzchak's prayers. And Rivka, his wife, gave birth. Right? So, um, Rashi says, Nifta and his spice, Nifta loy. Why, why did Hashem listen to him? Because, she stood in one corner, he stood in the other corner, they both prayed. But yet, Hashem listened to him and not her. Since, Yitzhak had a father who was Avram was a Tzadim and Tzadik, and Rivka had a, a father who was a Russia, so Hashem listened to her. So, it's very hard to understand this, this whole, and I remember when I learned it the first time, it's very hard to understand this whole, this whole series of what, what happened over here. It says that Yitzhak prayed opposite his wife, and Hashem listened to Yitzhak, not to his wife, because Yitzhak's father was a Tzadik, and her father was a Russia. So, the question is like this, imagine, imagine, these two people, they didn't have kids for 14 years, right? And they go to this big makubal, this big tzaddik, and they're like, oi, what are we going to do? We don't, we don't have children for 14 years. And he says, listen, it's a very big skula that the seventh, that on the last day of Hanukkah, Zos Hanukkah, the last day of Hanukkah, at exactly this and this time, and this is this hour, and this is this minute, if you pray, you say a certain chapter in Tehillim, Guaranteed you'll have a kid. But we don't have kids for 14 years. Big skula. That moment, Hashem has to give you a child. Okay? So they prepare for that moment. And the moment comes on the eighth day of Hanukkah. And they both are in the room. And he's on one side of the room. And she's on the other side of the room. And they start davening, Shira Malos, whatever the, whatever the chapter in Tehillim was. And they're screaming, Shira, right? And that minute's up. And they finish the capital. And that year she gets pregnant. Right? Big chacham. Now people are going to call me. Well, who's the Chacham? I'm, t- I'm just telling you, I'm making up a story. So, so what happens? So, she gets pregnant. So, in the ninth month, she, um, in the ninth month, she comes to, the husband and wife come to get a bracha from the same Akubal, that when she goes into labor, that it should be not a cesarean, it should be easy labor. So they come into the tzaddik and they're like, oh, thank you so much. You know, 14 years, no children. I'm now my ninth month. Thank you so much. You know, that moment you told us on Hanukkah to pray, we prayed. And it's unbelievable that, that you know, Baruch Hashem. And the, this big rabbi looks at the woman and he says, you have nothing to get excited about. You see, your prayer was not accepted. The reason you're pregnant, because your husband's prayer was accepted. Your prayer was nothing. She like turns green. Right, forget about. Right? Why would he? What? Now, let's say that he was such a big mukubal that he saw this in Ruach Hakodesh that her prayer did not go anywhere, but the husband's prayer went. Why would you tell her? Just tell them, thank you very much. I hope you have an easy birth. Why would you tell her that her pre- that her prayer wasn't accepted? Why would you hurt her feelings like that? So the question here is: even according to Rashi, that Hashem listened to. Yitzchak, because he was a tzaddik ben tzaddik, right? You gotta do me a favor, it's gonna be a little lower there, guys, sorry. There's a tzaddik ben tzaddik, right? Even though Hashem, why would Hashem tell us that, that, that he didn't listen to Rivka? Why, why would he tell us that? Just say, she prayed in one corner, he prayed in the other corner, and the tzaddik was miskabo. Why are you telling me specifically that her tzaddik was not miskabo? And I remember learning this. I, I, I didn't understand that. Why would, why would you tell her that? So even if it was Yitzchak, and even if Rashi's correct, and it was Yitzchak's prayer that was in Skabal, why would the Torah embarrass her and say, Hashem, listen to him, not you, him. Why would you do that? A human being wouldn't do that. So why does the Torah do that? Good question. 
Good question. Thank you. Wake up, guys. Many of you are very tired because you had this question last week and you can't sleep because you don't know the answer. So tonight you're going to sleep. So it's a very big question. So first of all, I saw Chida, which I never said before, brand new. Chida says, he says opposite of, he says not like Rashi. The Chida says, the Torah doesn't say she was praying. She wasn't praying, only he was praying. Look at the Pasuk. Pasuk says like this. And Yitzchak prayed to Hashem, beseeched God, opposite his wife, because she was barren. And Hashem listened to his tefillah. Where did it say in the Pasuk that she prayed? Chidot says it doesn't say anywhere in the Pasuk that she did. She prayed opposite him. Hashem listened to his prayer. Beautiful. doesn't say that she prayed. So the Chidot says she wasn't praying. So if she wasn't praying, what was she doing there? Why opposite side? Uh, uh, what was she doing there? He says an unbelievable Dvar Torah. He says that they knew the famous saying that anyone who prays for their friend, they get answered first. So Yitzchak wasn't praying that he should have children. Yitzchak was praying, he was praying that his wife should have children. Because so Hashem listened to him and she became pregnant. Where do you see that more in the Pasuk according to the Chidah? Because it says, listen carefully. Yitzchak prayed, right, for his wife, because she could not have children. So he prayed for her, that she should have children. And Hashem listened to him, and she had, so he says, there was, no, there was no two people praying, and only one was answered. Now, but you still have a little bit of, okay, that's what Chidot says, but how do you explain that with Rashi? How do you explain that Rashi? So the answer is that according to Rashi, each one was praying for the other one. Yitzhak was praying for that Rivka should have a child. Rivka was praying that Yitzhak should have a child. So who did Hashem answer Tchila? Right? He answered Yitzhak Tchila. Why did he answer Yitzhak first? They were each praying for each other. So, but let's say I'm dominating for you and you're dominating for me. So who gets answered first? So that means that if I pray for you, you're not praying for me. I pray for you. So now I, I, you don't have, someone doesn't have children and I don't have children and I'm praying that this person have children. I'm going to end up having children before him. Right? Well, let's say I'm praying for him to have children and he's praying for me to have children. So which one of us is going to get answered first? We're both calling Baba Akhaber and Nenetchila. So we're both Nenetchila. So which one's going to get answered first? So Rashi says that Tzadik ben Tzadik is going to get answered first. Before the Tzadik ben Rasha. That's what Rashi says. But the Chidah says, she wasn't praying. He just had her there because he was praying for her. And that's why he was answered. Okay. So that's a very beautiful terrace. That's a very nice terrace. But I want to tell you a different terrace that Rav Shimshim Pink is all of Shalom. Gives a whole shir on. And he says, Chas Shalom. The Torah would never tell you that two people prayed for something and one was listened to and one wasn't. That's not what happened here. They had a very big difference of opinion. We'll see what you guys think at the end of this year. They had a very big difference of opinion. And I've spoken about this before. The difference of opinion was as follows. They thought they were having one child. So, Yaakov, so Yitzhak Avinu said like this, Hashem, if you're giving me one child, that's what they thought they were having. Either, right, I don't know if he's going to be good or bad, but if he's, but if he's good, he should be totally good. And if he's bad, he should be bad to the bone. He should be so bad, purely the worst Russia in the world. Why? Why? Why would you, why would you pray like that? Because Yitzhak said that if someone is good, fine, that's great. But if someone's bad, but they're, they're not so bad, they're, Mixed white and, you know, they're half bad, half good. They don't do tshuva. Why? Because they rationalize, I'm okay. But a person who's really bad, who knows he's bad, he's going to do tshuva. 
Rivka said the opposite. What are you talking about? You want a kid that's totally bad? He'll never become good. At least get a kid who's chatsi chatsi. He should be a little bit good, a little bit bad. Why you want to start? Why you want to have a Russia? Why do you want to have a totally not good kid? This was their machlokes. So Yitzchak Davin to Hashem, Vayeta Lo Yitzchak Davin to Hashem. If you're going to give me a child, either give me someone good. If I can't get a good one, if he's bad, make sure he's like <coughs> all the way bad and he knows he's bad. So do tshuva. Rivka said the opposite. So the pasuk says the following: Vayeta Yitzchak Hashem Linoichach Ishtoi. He prayed opposite against his wife. I don't want a mixed up kid. I want a kid that's either good or bad. She prayed, no, Hashem, I want a kid, if it's gonna be, if he's gonna be bad, he shouldn't be totally bad. And the Torah tells us, but yet Allah Hashem. Hashem said, he's right, and that's what you're going to have. Okay? But the high Rift now she has a very big problem. So she saw in Ruch HaKodesh that she's going to have either a very good child or a very bad child. Okay? Now, she goes and she walks past the church or a movie theater or however you want to look at it or an Apple store, whatever, however, and the kid is trying to get out. And then she walks by a shul and the kid's trying to get out. So what does the Pusik say? Well, he tries to abut and be careful. This kid's, what is he? Is he, he's exactly what she asked for. He's mixed up. He's not totally bad because he wants to get out when there's a yeshiva. He's not totally good because he wants to get out when there's a church. So, it's what she asked for. So the Pusik says, no, you didn't. Look at the Pusik. She bought time there and she said, in Cain, I don't understand. Hashem, if this is the case, that in Cain, if it's true that this boy wants to go out and shul it, but he also wants to go out in church, why are you listening to me? I saw you listen to my husband. But if this kid's all mixed up, that's the kid I asked for. Half black, you know, mixed black and white. So that's what I asked for. So why are you listening to me? I saw in Ruch HaKodesh that you, the Pasuk says you listen to him. If you listen to Yitzchak, then he wouldn't want to, he wouldn't want to get out in a church and in a shul. He either want to get out in a shul or a church. So she was all mixed up. But Telech Lidre says Hashem. She went to, 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 to investigate what Hashem did. Hashem, you're saying that you listen to Yitzchak, but you gave me a kid. That's what I asked for. So when she went and she asked the question, what's going on? Ah, so Yeshiva Shem Eva said, she said, he said, no, no, no. Hashem did not listen to you. If it was one child that wanted to go out in a church, wanted to go out in a shul, then it's a mixed up kid. But Hashem listened like I told you. Hashem said, I told you that I listened to Yitzchak's tefillah. You have one pure white, which is Yaakov, and you have one bat to the bone, pure black, which is, which was Esau. So that's it. She didn't ask anymore. You see right after that, after he said, she was, she was okay. Why was she okay? I always ask this question. Why was she okay? Why was she okay? She went to a church and a kid tried to get out. She went to a shul. Now that he's telling her, you have twins. So, so, I have twins. Well, one of them wants to go to church. Why didn't she ask him? That was it. Right? She gave birth to twins. Why don't you say to him, uh, give me a bracha, uh, what's the deal? Rosh Hashiva, Sadik, Makubal, right? Whoever, Shevaeva, what's the deal with this kid trying to go to church? I, I, I'm at, why didn't she ask that question? He, he didn't give her a good answer. Her question was, goes to church, the kid's trying to get out, goes to church. So he said, oh, don't worry about it. You got twins. Oh, that's great. Now I got twins, and one of them is a Russia. Why, why didn't she, she say help. And the answer was that when she heard she had twins, she realized that Yitzhak's tefillah was accepted. Okay? If, if he davened for one and one, and this is the way it came out, then it must be good for me. That's what Hashem wants. So she had no more, she had no more questions. Now what happened in the end? He didn't turn. Asa was Kule Russia. And he didn't turn. 
but it's brought down in the Gemara, had he turned, had, had Yitzhak been right, had Yitzhak been able to change him, he would have been bigger than all three others put together. It says that Esav was supposed to be the forefather of David HaMelech. They were actually born under the same star, under the same moon, under the same mazel. They were both born under the same mazel. They were both red. Esav was red and, 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 and David was red. David was really supposed to come from, 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 from Esav. From, from, right. How do you know that? Let's see who can figure that out. How do you know that David was supposed to come from Esav? Come on guys. You're smart. Let's go. It's very simple. No. Right. Shkoyach. Esav was supposed to marry Leah. Who came from Leah? Yehuda. David HaMelech was supposed to come from Esav. Had he not messed up, he would have married Leah, which we're going to see in the Medjitan Chuma, and he would have had those kids. He messed up, but he was bigger. He was bigger than Yaakov, actually. So Yitzchak was right. If he would have turned him, Hitaka would have been... There was supposed to be Arba Avos and Arba Yimavos. That's the way it was set up. But it ended up only being Shlosha Avos because Esau was supposed to be the fourth of the of the, of, of the Avos. So why am I telling you this? So there's... I'll bring you two, I'll bring you two proofs to what I just said. It says... I'll bring you three proofs. It says in the Medrash Rabban Pasha's Noach, it says, well, actually Rashi says, that why did Hashem destroy the world? Anyone remember that Rashi? Because of Gezel. What kind of Gezel? That they used to steal things that were less than a penny. Because whatever's less than a penny, you're not machayev to go back. So if you go into a store and you eat one sunflower seed, it's not worth a penny, you don't have to pay. So that's not lacha. Less than a puti, you don't have to pay. So, so it says, that's why Hashem destroyed the world. One second. They were doing gila royas. They were doing adultery. They were serving idols and they were murdering people. Oh no, we don't have to destroy the world. That's okay. But some guy went and took a sunflower seed. Ah! Oh, end of world. How do we understand that, Rashi? And the answer is that, that when they were doing bad things, they knew they were doing bad things. Hashem said, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait till they do tshuva. They'll do tshuva. I have time. They'll do tshuva. I don't have to destroy the world. Hashem didn't want to destroy the world. But the minute they started to steal things that were so small that they didn't have to pay for it, Hashem said, they're never going to do tshuva because they don't feel bad about what they're doing. He said, if they're never going to do tshuva, I might as well destroy the world. Another raya is Sodom. Sodom, right, why did Hashem destroy the storm? Why didn't, why didn't Avram Avinu go into Sodom and make bali tshuvas? They were doing terrible things. Avram never went to Sodom. He never went into Sodom and tried to turn them around. He did it with the five kings, the four kings. He did it with the people in Haran. He was the biggest tshuva move, movement in the world. He wanted to go to Sodom. They were terrible people. And get them to do tshuva. Instead, are there, are there, are there 50, are there 40, are there 30, are there... Go! Open a yeshiva! Open a kailo! You're the man! You turned, you changed the whole world! He never tried to change stone. He never went into Sodom. He told it, don't go into Sodom. Why don't you go change them? So it's brought down. Why? Because Sodom had a religion. And Sodom believed that if a, there was a poor person who came collecting money, right? You had to kill him. Why did you have to kill him? Because he didn't accept what God made him poor. How dare he rebel against God and try to make himself rich? So any person who would give charity to the poor, they would say, you're mixing into God's business? God made him poor and you think you're bigger than God and you want to make him rich? Dead. They had a crazy religion. If you were sick, they let you die. They didn't let a doctor was not allowed to heal. Why? Because they said, if Hashem made you sick, how dare you? You think you're bigger than God. You're gonna... So they let him die. It made logical sense. They had this whole religion. So they had this rule that if you were tall and you collected money for tzedakah, they would put you on a short bed and they would cut your feet off to match the bed. And if you were short and you try to collect charity, they would stretch you out in a big bed, which would pull all your joints out and kill you. Now, now how could you not think that's bad? And the answer was, they said as follows. If you're a poor man and, and you're collecting money, which means that you don't agree with what God did to you, 
right? So you're, you're trying, you're not happy with, with your lot, right? You're not happy with what God did to you. So then I guess God made you tall. You're not happy with that either. So we're going to cut your legs off. Oh, and God made you short. So I guess you're not happy with that either. So we're going to stretch you out. There's this whole religion which tortured and killed and the last person to die which before Hashem destroyed Saddam, was this little girl who gave, I think maybe a daughter of Lot even, who gave poor people to eat, and they took her and they undressed her, and they smeared her with honey, and they put her by a bee's nest, and all the bees came out, and they bit her to death. And when she cried, Hashem said, that's it. Why did they cut her head off, hang her, shoot her? Because they said, you want to be sweet? You want to be nice and sweet? We're going to make you sweet. And they put honey on her. Meshugam. They had a crazy thing. If you went over to someone and you made them bleed, so the person that you made bleed would have to pay you. The person you hurt would have to pay you. Why? Because in the days they used to let blood to make you healthy, to lower your blood pressure, they used to cut you and they used to let blood. So if a guy would go and take a rock and hit you in the head and you're gushing blood, the best in the court would make you, make the guy who's gushing blood, pay the guy who did it. It's a very famous story. Eliezer came to, to Sadaim, and a guy went, and a, a guy hit him with a rock and he was bleeding, and the guy took him to court that Eliezer, right, the servant of, of Rome, would have to pay him. So he said, what? I have to pay him? He hurt me. He should pay me. And the judge said, no, that's the rule. So the famous medrash, Eliezer picked up a rock, and he threw it at the judge. And the judge now is bleeding. He said, okay, so now you owe me money. You pay, you pay him. So a very famous measures. So they were mashuga. They were crazy. But it was a religion. And to them it made sense. Aram Avinu said, what am I going to go bother trying to change these people? If Sodom knew they were bad, then I could go in there and change them. But they think they're tzaddikim. They think they're doing, they're working for God. If you're, if you're poor, you have to die poor. If you're sick, you have to die. They, he says that, you, when, when a person rationalizes his bad, you, you can't fix it. You can't change it. You can't fix it. So he didn't even bother with Saddam. Hashem said, as long as the world knew they were doing bad, they could change. But once they started stealing with a heter, right? Like, that's it. I, I remember there was this, this, whatever, one of my friends, whatever it was, and he was, he was doing something that wasn't very legal. And I said, how could you do that? And he says, this government, yeah, this government, this government, you know what this government does? They, su- they support people who are this and that and the other thing. I'm like, that doesn't give you a right to, to, to do the wrong thing. What do you, I don't understand what you're saying. That doesn't give you a right. No, he rationalized. He's never going to change. I'm not going to change. If he says, I'm a low life and I'm stealing, so then I can, you can change. But if he says, no, what do you mean? They take from me and that, 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 that. I'll tell you a story that happened to me. There was somebody that got a hold of my checkbook, a Jewish guy, got a hold of my checkbook, and he started writing checks and and stealing. He was stealing. And and in the end, we caught him. It was $10,000 that he had stolen, right? And and I said to him, how, I said, when they caught him, I said, how could you how could you do that to me? You, you were working for me. How, how could you how could you take my checkbook and do that? And he says, you're going to get the money back from the bank because... Because it's counterfeit signature. You're going to get the money back from the bank anyway, so you're not losing anything. So really I'm stealing from the bank. But the bank, right, they take crazy interest rates. So they're stealing from everyone else. So I'm stealing from them. I'm like, and this guy went to, went to jail and went to jail and went to jail and he doesn't stop stealing because in his head, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. So if there's nothing wrong with it, you can't change it. And that's what Yitzchak was saying. Yitzchak was saying, that I, if you're going to give me a child that's Ra, he needs to know he's Ra. You can't, right? So I'm telling you what happened. So, so I'm giving this class yesterday to a religious school, religious class of, of girls, and I'm giving a class on music. They want me to give a class on non-Jewish music. So I come to class, and my class on non-Jewish music, what I do, I, I wanted to bring it tonight, but I, I left it in my office. So what I do is I take about 10 pictures of Gidoilim, of Tzadikim, or Shmuel Birnbaum, and Rapam, right? And, and all these big Tzadikim with the glow and the beautiful light on their face and, and happy and they're smiling. I don't have the pictures with me. Maybe I'll bring them next week. Right? All these ten beautiful pictures. And then I bought these two um, rap magazines and I ripped out all the, the rappers, right? And none of them are smiling. They're very mean-looking, angry people. And I said, 
So this culture, this is what, and you, in that culture, you, you're supposed to be gangster. So you're not going to be smiling and all lit up and a nice guy. That's not gangster. So the whole look is gangster, and the whole look is really nasty, really nasty, looking at you like they want to rip your head off, right? And I said, this culture, this is what you look like. And I showed it to this class, picture by picture by picture by picture. And I said, take a good look at this guy's face. He's not happy. He's really angry. I said, and now let's look at Rapam's face. And let's look at Ramesha Feinstein's face. And let's look at what our culture produces. I said, and I'm not giving you a sheer. The sheer is in looking at the pictures. <laughs> look at the difference of the two cultures. I said, I'm not judging the other culture. Or this. I'm just saying, look what, what, what happens to you. Look what, what becomes of you. Okay. So, there's a little rumbling going on in the class. Nothing yet. Then I did something very fascinating, which I did four years ago in my high school. By accident, I did it. I was walking in my high school four years ago, and there was a girl walking down the hall, and she's hopping and bopping, and she's got her iPod on, and she's got her two ear earbuds in her ear, and she's like, yeah, she's walking down the hall, and I'm watching this girl, one of my students, and I'm like, could I borrow, could I borrow one of the ear, you know, one of the buds? I just want to hear what she's listening to, right? I knew it wasn't schwecky. So... So, I put it in my ear. So it's like we're sharing this. This, this you know, she's got one in her ear, and I got one in my ear, right? And this guy's rapping away like really heavy stuff, but very like every second word was cursing, and it was like really, really angry. And I said to her, "Why is this guy so angry? Like, like did he get up on the wrong side of the bed? Like, why are you listening to this? This guy is screaming in your ear, yelling profanities. Like, you enjoy this?" And she goes, "Yeah." <laughs> yeah, this is my music. You got a problem with that, Rabbi? I'm like, no, no, I don't got a problem with that. I said, tomorrow, tomorrow, we're doing a class on music. Okay. So I said, bring in that, bring in that rap. I want you to bring in that rap. Fine. So she comes in the next day, and I got my boombox, and I played, I believe I played Mama Rachel, but this is what I did. I, I saw this a few years ago. I think it was in Time Magazine. I think it was Duke University. I'm not sure which university. Very, I'm a musician, so I'm a drummer. I've always been a drummer, and I love music. My, my, if you're a drummer, so it's the beat. You are the, you're the beat of the music. So a person who is a drummer, you just you feel it. You feel music. You feel it. You don't only hear it. You feel it. If there's a beat, you feel it. So, and I always played drums by ear. So... I know that music has an effect on you, but I always fought my teachers because I didn't listen to Jewish music growing up. I listened to rock and roll. I mean, all rock and roll was very different than the rap music of today. There was no curse words at all. There was no, um, nothing really rhymed either in most songs, but um, there was definitely no curse words. And it was much softer. And it was, you know, I was listening to The Doors and I was listening to The Beatles and, uh, and, 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 you know, I remember telling my Rebbe, Simon and Garfunkel can't be bad, they're Jewish, you know? And Harry Chapin and Cats in the, Cats in the Cradle and, you know, Cats in the Cradle is a big Muslim high school, you know? You have to give attention to your kids and taxi, you know? He could have married her, the potential, and she ended up, he ended up being a taxi driver and she ended up being a superstar. And I, I had answers to every, every song that I listened to. I had answers at Pink Floyd and uh, the whole thing, you know? Stairway to Heaven, this week's partial, come on. Back of Avina went to sleep and there was a ladder. Right? Come on. I was like, come on, Rebbe. You're, you're not with it. You know, there was a stairway to heaven. It's in this week's Pasha. You know, so let's Zeppelin, you know, hop the Rhine. You know, okay. Anyway, so I was very into my music, and my Rebbe kept telling me, no, it has an effect on you. I'm like, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. This, this is very calming and very good. I mean, you know, some of the music wasn't so calming. I'm not going to get into my favorite star because whatever. But I was very into Goyish music, and I didn't, like non-Jewish music, and I really did not, I didn't have, I really didn't feel like, uh, didn't have an effect on my learning. It wasn't crazy stuff. Okay. And then I saw, well, I'll tell you what changed my life. What changed my life was, there was a very, very big tzaddik in Eretz Yisrael. He's not alive anymore. And I heard about this, I had my, my years of Mekubolim, that I was very into Kabbalah, and learning all the tricks, you know, and going to all the Mekubalim. So I heard there was a Mekubal in Yushalayim that Saturday night, Matzi Shabbos, he had 126 candles lit every every Shabbos by, by Havdalah. And his apartment, you never saw such a teeny apartment, with two rooms. It was a bedroom connected to a kitchen. 
That was it. So when you walk into this apartment on Saturday night, Monty Shabbos, it was so hot from all those candles. And he, there was a thing that any bacher, any boy that was not married, who would sit at that Malava Malka, that year was guaranteed to get married. There's a bunch of mirror guys. Everyone's packed into this, everyone's schwitzing, right? And this rub was sitting there, and he was very, very holy. And I, I got into, I got into, I got, I, I got in. Somebody got me into this Malava Malka. Malava Malka. And I was fascinated. I was fascinated. It was, it was, it was unbelievable. And he served chicken, and, and he was very poor. And they, they had fleshics, and they sang Pismonim. And I have his safest mirrors, very deep safest mirrors that he get. Whatever. I was very, very, very moved. So, I had the chutzpah at the end of my market to walk over to him and say, could I come back tomorrow? I would, I would like to learn with the Rav for 15 minutes. For sure. So I came back the next day at like 12 o'clock. And this tzaddik is sitting there and he's learning. He has all this forum open he's learning. But in the back of the room, he has a tape recorder. In those days, there's tape recorders. And he has a tape of some choir or some music playing. Okay, I figure we're going to start learning. He's going to turn it off. We're learning, and the music's on. I'm like, I said to the Rav, should I turn it off? No, 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 no. Like, no, 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 don't turn it off. Music, we're learning, right? Whatever it is. 15, 20 minutes, we finish, whatever it is. He says, Shalom. I said, can I ask the Rav, why, why did the Rav let me turn it off? In those days, I would actually be very brazen. I was like, maybe it's a Kabbalistic thing, right? Why did the Rav, and he, so he said to me, he said, you don't, you don't, you don't know the chashivas, the importance of music. He said, there's a medrash in Chavakuk that says that no Navi was able to get Nevius without music. Except Moshe Rabbeinu. So every Navi had to have someone in the room playing music. And that's how they got the Nevius. Except Moshe Rabbeinu. I was like, wow. And we know that in the Beis HaMikdash, you couldn't bring Karbanos without the Levium playing music and singing. Why do you need music? Why do you need a band, a 15, 20, 70 piece band, in the, it's not a wedding, in the Beis Hamidosh, which is the holiest place, when Kohanim are bringing Karbanos, cut the music. No, you have to have music or you couldn't bring Karbanos. And there's, I never saw the Zoya, someone told me there's a Zoya that says that when Adam left Ganeiden, Hashem said you could have anything you want from Ganeiden except the Eitzadas, Eitzachayim, and He said, I want music. So the music actually was something that was in Ganeiden, and we know that the Malachim sing Shira. We know that Miriam, when she came out of the Yam, when she wanted to sing Shira, she took the musical instruments. So there's something about music that's extremely, extremely spiritual. So when I walked out from this rov, I took on myself, no more non-Jewish music. That was it. Because if he's telling me that music is what gives you Ruch HaKodesh, I can't be listening to, you know, the Grateful Dead. It's not going to happen. It's not the CSMA symptoms. the Grateful Dead, right? So, so, I stop, so I stopped. And I have to tell you that since I stopped, my understanding of my learning is on a much different level. There's nothing to talk about. So, but I didn't, I didn't understand why. So a few years ago, there was this professor, and he claimed that music, actually when you hear music, plays colors and emotions in your brain. But because you're listening to the music, and you're not in a quiet state, you don't see it. That's what he said. So he did this test with his class, and what he did was, he told everyone to close their eyes, relax, and then he would play classical music, and he would he would he would ask everyone after the song to to write down what color when their eyes were closed, what color they saw, and then he would ask he would play rock and roll, and then he would play jazz, and he would play all these different musics, and actually most of the people. The different music wrote the same color. No, it's classical, they wrote blue, whatever it was. Uh, rock and roll, they wrote red or black, whatever. And, and they found that most people's perception of the music was the same color. And then they said, write down what you saw in your mind while you were listening. So when they had classical, there were people who wrote, I was a seagull flying over the ocean. I was sitting at a beach. Um, I was, I, I was sitting underneath a tree and I saw the leaves. It was fascinating. And then they played certain other songs. They saw darkness and they saw despair and they saw, and, and he, so he proved that when you're in your subconscious, when everything's quiet and your eyes are closed, 
These are the, this is what's being printed on your brain. So really it's being printed on your brain even when you're not quiet, but you don't see it, you don't feel it because the music's in the front. But when you're quiet, you actually, so, so music has a crazy effect and then he did a whole thing where your blood pressure, actually certain music, your blood pressure will go down, your blood pressure will go up. So there's a huge effect on, on a person. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna do this test on my, on my girl with the earbud. So, I brought into school all my pictures. First, I did that little thing. And then I brought, I brought into school, I, I think it was Shweki's Mama Rachel. I think that was the song that I brought. And I said, okay, girls, I want everyone to take out a piece of paper. And I want you to close your eyes. And we're going to play first this Jewish song from Shweki. And I want you to write down what color you see in your, in, when your eyes are closed. And I want you to tell me what's the picture that you see in your head. And that, Hope, um, light, um, potential, happiness, uh, really, like, really nice, the way this girl, one girl said I was a seagull, one girl said I was under a tree, one girl said I was at a sunset, it was very, very, very beautiful, very emotional, I said, okay, I said, great, now, I plugged in the, the rap, seriously, I plugged in the rap, I said, I'm not telling you, just close your eyes, they all closed their eyes. There was only eight girls in the class. So close your eyes and listen to the song. And this song was really bad stuff and hard stuff. And they listened to the song, despair, savagery. I saw blood in the streets. I saw pain. I saw blackness. I said, okay, we finished this experiment. And I said, everyone look at your papers. Now you need to know that when you have that plugged in your ear, in your subconscious, that's what your brain is seeing. Anger, despair, hopelessness, suicide, all kinds of, they came up with, I mean, and there's some of, some of the, the words in the song was suicide and all these kind of things. And I said, so you don't realize you're continuously listening to this, listening to this, it's going into your brain. Despair, hopelessness, savagery, murder. What are you doing? This is what's going, you, you wrote on the piece of paper. I didn't write on the piece of paper my perception. You wrote on the piece of paper. Okay. So I did it this week with a group of religious girls. And I did the rabbis, and I showed them the pictures of the other, of the other pictures, and then I did the music. So, first I put on Shweki's Mama Rachel, I put on Simon Tov It was very interesting. Like Simon Tov by, um, it's a different album, by, uh, I don't know, the orchestra, whatever. So a lot of the girls, when they were listening to it, they wrote, I saw myself as a kala dancing at my wedding. Really nice. One girl wrote, I'm at the Kosel Friday night listening to Kalabach, listening to the men dance around L'Chadoidi. This is what they saw just by a song. Because you, you, that's what happens when you close your eyes and you let yourself drift away. Okay. It was very nice. A lot of nice reactions. Okay. Then I put on the other music. Now I put on some real bad rap music. And as I put it on and the girls closed their eyes, three girls got up and said, No! Stop! Stop! I'm like, okay. It's not fair what you're doing. I said, what do you mean it's not fair? I have non-Jewish music that doesn't sound like this. Why are you putting on the worst non-Jewish music? Put on some hip-hop. Put on some good music by this album and that album and this album. She ruined, they ruined my whole, my whole thing. So I knew at that point that these three girls, I will never get them to stop listening to non-Jewish music. The girls were listening to the really bad rap that every two words is a curse word. So they were sitting there feeling, you know what, he's right. This is really bad for me. So maybe, I should, maybe I'm going to stop. I will stop. In fact, I got a phone call today, actually. I did this test on Monday. I got a phone call today that there are five girls that really want to stop. Rabbi Wallstein, after your class, they want to meet with you to help them how they could, they want to stop, but they don't know how to stop. But those three will never stop. Why? Because they're in the gray. They don't think it's wrong. In other words, that's wrong, but doesn't, you can't make a class and say no, non-Jewish music is no good. You can't say that because you can't go to the worst stuff. There's some good stuff. <clears throat> that's what Jacko, that's what Yitzhak prayed not to have. Don't give me gray. If you do, if, if you're giving me a kid, he needs to know that what he's doing is wrong. Once, once you start to make it right, there's no truth. It's not going to happen. It's not going to change.
that's what Yaakov Levinu davened for. And if Esav would have changed, he would have become so white, he would have been whiter than Yaakov. But it didn't work. It didn't, in the end, it didn't happen. But the potential for it to happen was there. When people rationalize what they do wrong, you, you can't get them to change. You can't get them to change. I, I've seen that all my life. The, the worst kids in my class ended up becoming the best kids. Because they knew they were doing wrong. So the kids that were mediocre stayed mediocre. The good stay good. I mean, the good are good. The mediocre stay mediocre. But the guys who really give you a lot of trouble, usually in the end give you the most nachas. Because they realize, I was a bad kid. I was doing the wrong thing. I'm going to change. Not right now, Rebbe, but when I get a chance. But I'm going to change. The kid who feels like, big deal. I'm not doing anything. What's the end? He's not going to change because why should he? That was Shadayim. And that was the destruction of, 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 of the world. And that was their fight here. And, and, and Hashem said, I will listen to Yitzchak, and you will have Kulei Ra, the Kulei Toiv. But the Kulei Ra didn't change. The Kulei Toiv stayed Kulei Toiv. But the Kulei Ra didn't change. Okay. And it, 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 I, I think that, I think that the, the reason that, um, the re, why did Yitzchak think that way? Why did Yitzchak think that way? I saw this, I saw this at Dvar Torah a few years ago. Why did Yitzhak think that either ba- either either Kule white or Kule black? Because otherwise, it's not it's not going to happen. Because Avram Avinu, a few pashas ago, right? Lechlochad said he took the people Asha Asu Bacharon. Avram Avinu had a huge yeshiva in Charon, a huge school in Charon that he was that he was Makarev. So what happened to them? Where are they? They didn't become Jews. You don't see them anymore in the Torah. All these, that whole yeshiva that he had, she had a Beis Yaakov, sorry, Menu, she had a Beis Yaakov, right? Kananim became Beis Yaakov, and he had a yeshiva. We're all the good girls. We're all the good guys. What happened to them? So it's brought down that they all went off to Derech. All of them. All the girls and all the boys. All the, when did they go off to Derech? In Yitzchak's time. They went off to Derech in Yitzchak's time. Yitzchak had no yeshiva. No girls, no boys. What happened? So what happened was that how did Avraham Avinu make them Jews? How did he, bring, how did he make them into yeshiva? He, he, he opened his house. He gave them to eat. He gave them a bed. He gave them a job. He gave them everything. He sort of bought them off. He sort of bribed them to become Jews. Yitzhak saw, that's not going to last. You're going to go to the, high, to the higher bidder. If you give me, Rabbi, you give me $100, I'll be Jewish. If the guy down the street who's, who's Christian gives me $200, I'll be a Christian. If the Muslim gives me $500, uh, right? That, that, that's, how, that's how missionaries work. The missionaries that, with the Russian Jews, how do they get them to become non, non-Jew, become Goyim, right? They give them a job, they give them a house, they take the kids to camp, they pay for this, they pay for that, right? So, so Yitzhak Avinu said that's wishy-washy people. You can, you can buy them, the other ones could buy them. So Avram Avinu knew that because he lost his whole yeshiva. So Avram Avinu, by the way, this is, also has to do with last week's Pasha, beautiful pshat. So Avram Avinu said to Eliezer, don't get me a girl from Canaan because I cannot have the DNA in the Jewish, in the Jewish family that we can be bought off. The Canaanim, you, you give them a meal, they become Jewish. I can't have that because if the Jews later on, everyone's going to want to missionary them. And if you can buy them off, they're all going to become Goyim. So, so he said, go to my family. Get me someone from my family. My family, Lavan, Besuel, no matter what Avram tried, they stayed They were purely bad. Avram said, take me one of them. Why? Because if one of those bad guys who's purely bad and you can't buy him becomes good, you also can't buy him. If he's good, no one can buy him. So he said, find me one from my family that's an action that's so stubborn and then if we could turn that, so what happened? They found Rivka. Rivka came from that family. So over here, Rivka, when she, she didn't know what's going on with this kid. He wanted to go to a shul. Then he wanted to go to church. Then he wanted to go to So she said, If the whole reason Abraham Avinu picked was to get someone who's not Shushu, who's very deliberate and stubborn in who they are, I have a kid here who's Shushu. Once he wants to go to church, then he wants to go to shul. So why'd you have to come get me? Why did you get me? You could have had a Kanani. You could have had someone from your from your Beis Yaakov. So Yitzchak lost the whole yeshivas because in the end he didn't give them. He didn't pay them off. So they went to where they got paid off. That's why we. I'm of Israel. 
it may be, it's not such a good meter usually being stubborn, but we have to be stubborn because everybody wants to make us non-Jewish. Everybody wants to missionary us. So the, the kayak of us is that, yeah, sometimes we really, sometimes we're very good. Sometimes we're not so good. But when we're not so good, we know we're not good. We're not, we're not forevering ourselves. I had, I had kids in, in yeshiva when I was teaching and I had kids that was written in Crown Heights yeshiva that their parents had a Friday night dinner. I think that's what they call it in the irreligious Friday night dinner and their mother lit candles and then they went to the movies. That was it. And then I had kids who had nothing. Their parents had nothing to do with Judaism. They had, they don't have any candles and they never Friday night dinner. Well, guess what? Those kids grew up. They felt like they had nothing. So they went for the real thing. But the kids who had the Friday night dinner and the candles, they're like, why do I have to do more? I mean, I have Shabbos. I have Sabbath like you have Sabbath. I have something. So, so I'm not telling you that doing something is, is bad, but in the conscience of a person, if he really knows that he's not doing the right thing, he can change. If he answered himself up, he's not going to change. And that's what, that's what, that's what Yitzhak Avina was, 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 was davening for. And, um, he wasn't Matzliach in the end with Esau. But later on, we see even later on that, that big tzaddikim came out of Esau. Big people came out of Esau. Okay. There's two, thi- there's two things in Medish Rabbah, and I'll let you go. Two things that bothered me my whole life, and I actually found the answers this week. Okay, so first of all, so you know that he had a dream this week that Yaakov Avinu went to sleep, and there was a ladder. Why was it a ladder? And the angels were going up, and the angels were going down. Why was it a ladder? Why wasn't it steps? I mean, like, you think Yaakov Avino saw a fireman? Like, why, you know, you you dream about what you see during the day? Steps, a ramp, right? A ladder? Why does Hashem show him a ladder? Very beautiful. Because a ladder is the only thing that whether you're going up or down, you're always looking up. When you go up a ladder, you're, going, you're climbing the ladder, you're looking up. When you go down a ladder, you're looking up. You never turn around on a ladder. So Kishboku wanted to show Yaakov Avinu that whether you're going up the ladder, whether you're going down the ladder, I'm standing on top. A ladder is the only thing, whether you're going up or whether you're going down, you're always looking up. Hashem said, even when you're falling and you're doing sins and you're not doing so well, always look up. A road, when you walk down, you're looking down. Steps, when you walk down, you're looking down. But a ladder, when you're going down, you're looking up. And that's why it was a ladder. So... What was going on on this ladder? So it's a very fascinating Medjushtam, just very, very fast. And it says the following. Amar of Shmuel Banachman. He said, He saw, There were angels going up and down. Who were these angels? Amar of Shmuel Banachman. Malamik, the teacher, Sheherulai, Kodesh Baruch Avinu Yaakov, that Hashem was showing Yaakov Avinu, Sarashel Bavel. Who was this angel? He was the, the Sar, the angel, of the guardian angel of Persia. Eilim Shivan Ukim, he went up 70 steps, and then he went down. Right? Vishal Madai and Persia, Hamishim Mushnayim, he went up 52 steps, and then he went down. So Yavon, he saw the Greek guardian angel, Maya, he went up 100 steps, and then he went down. Edom, Rome, Esav, Allah, he went up, but he couldn't count how many steps he went up. Why? How come everyone else had a, an amount of steps? Because the, the, the gullus that we're in right now is Edom. And Hashem did not want to show him how long the last gullus would last. So that's why he didn't see how far up Asa went. For Asa Shah and the story Yaakov Avinu. So Yaakov Avinu got very scared. He saw Asa go up. He didn't see how far he went up, and he didn't see him come down. So he got very scared. He said, uh-oh, if, there, if that angel is going to take, is, is taking over the Jews and he doesn't come down, that means we're never going to get out of Golis. I'm like, no. Atira Avdi Yaakov, they made a song of this. I'll take us to Don't worry. Don't worry. He said, I'll, I'll take him down. In Tagil Kineshah, if he flies like an eagle, in Ben Kachavim Sim and he puts his nest between the stars, I will take Esav down from the highest place in the world. Don't worry, Jews. I will take Esav down. We learn from here. Hashem showed Yaakov Avinu 
Babel going up and down. Shomadai, Persia going up and down. Shalyavan, Greeks going up and down. Edom, And finally he showed that Edom, Asa of Rome, would go up and down. So now Hashem said to Yaakov, you see all these, these angels going up and down the ladder. Now you get on the ladder. Yaakov said, no. I'm not getting on that ladder. Why aren't you getting up on that ladder? Yaakov said, Hashem, I'm really not getting on that ladder because I'm very scared. What are you scared of? What are you scared of? So he said, just like I saw Rome and Greek and all these, they fell down and became nothing. If I climb, fascinating. This is such a deep medrash tanchuma in the psyche of kids. Yaakov Avinu said, I'm scared that I'm going to go up the ladder, I'm going to fall down like them. So I'd rather not get on. Wow, is that a lesson in, th- in, 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 in therapy? Wow, do I see this so often where kids, because they're scared they're going to fail, they don't even try. So many kids, even in sports, like kids, kids who are not good, right? They're like, no, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not getting on the court. I'm like, get on the court, give it a try. They don't want to fail. People don't, they don't want to fail. So they don't take the chance. So here's a case for any kid like that. Yaakov Abinu said to Hashem, he said, I'm scared. He said, they fell. So I'm scared. I'd rather not get on the ladder. I'd rather not climb up the hundred steps and then fall down. I'm staying off the whole ladder. Yaakov Avinu. Okay? So Hashem says to him, I promise you, you go up the ladder, you won't fall off. The, you won't come back down. Nice, right? Yaakov Avinu didn't believe him. He didn't get on the ladder. What does that mean he didn't believe him? That he... He didn't believe that Kleisro would not do any sins. So what do you mean we're going to go up the ladder? We're not going to come down the ladder. If we do sins, you're going to throw us off the ladder. So he says, I, I, he, not he didn't believe Hashem. He didn't believe in us. Not Yaakovino, I don't believe you, Hashem. He said, I don't believe that we could climb the ladder and not do something wrong to make us fall. I don't believe in you, God. He would never say that. He believed in Hashem. He said, Hashem, you're putting too much credit on the Jewish nation. We can go up the ladder, but we're going to come down because we're going to sin. So Hashem said, no. Hashem said, by you, it's going to be different. He said, because you, by the Jews, you're not going to fall down the ladder. He says, but, you're going to go through hard times, and I'm going to purify you. And therefore, you don't have to worry about it. Well, we see that Yaakov Avinu was very scared that Kleisrael would not be able to um, get to, on top of the ladder and, and that we would fall off. But Hashem said, you don't have to worry about it. If you get to the top of the ladder and you sin, I'm not throwing you off the ladder. You'll pay for it through other ways. you go through Gullus, you go through Yisurim. I will never throw you off the ladder. Because if Kleisrael is off the ladder, the whole world will be destroyed. Okay, so that's a, that's a fascinating medrash about the fear of failing. That's why. Now there's another thing, and we'll end with this, which always bothered me. And my teachers tried to answer it, but I wasn't really happy with the answer. There's a pasuk here. The girls in my class this week were so upset when they learned this. It says, before Leah gave birth, the pasuk says, Vayar Hashem kisnua Leah. Hashem saw that Leah was hated. Guys, can Yaakov Avinu hate his wife? I, I never, I, 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 I never think, and they were like so upset. How could you say that? How could the Torah tell us that, that he hated his wife? I mean, then he should have gone to, to like, you know, marriage counseling. I know, really, how do you understand? Yaakov Avinu hated his wife? How does anyone in this room, how do you sleep with, how do, how do you understand that? How do you sleep at night? How can you sleep at night with such a pussy? He snore, Hashem saw, Hashem saw that Leah was hated. How did you learn this for the last 40 years, 35 years? How do you learn this? Do you just keep going after that? You really believe Yaakov hated Leah? If you want to say he loved Rachel more, I have a problem with that. I have a problem with a husband that loves one, right? But, but what does this mean? 
What is it? How could you believe Yaakov Avinu? How do you learn this Pasuk? How do people learn this Pasuk? Yaakov, this week's Pasha says, Hashem saw Leah was hated by her husband. Anybody have an answer for that? She felt hated. She felt hated? You, you think, you, you think, <laughs> you felt, not, yeah, really? He made her feel hated? Yaakov Avinu made his wife feel hated? He made her feel hated, but she, she had to think she Well, if he, if he would have been a good husband, she wouldn't feel hated. You're talking about... So, Baruch Hashem, I give a share Tuesday nights because I didn't see the answer till this year. And I have to tell you, this plastic always bothered me. And it definitely bothers students, girls. They go crazy. What do you mean? How could he hate her? It's his wife. So here's the medrash. Here's the answer. Now you can really sleep well tonight. He says the following. What does it mean that he hated her? So I'm going to read it to you. You should know. Leah was supposed to marry Esav. Leah used to sit by the intersection of the ways. And she would ask the travelers, did you hear about Esav? How's he doing? Is he a good guy? Not a good guy? She knew that that was her shidduch. They would tell a good guy, Ishra, he's a bad man. Shefech Domim, he's a murderer. Mikapeach, Oivrim Visharim, and they told him he was evil, a murderer, a highway robber. He was a highway robber. That's a Mikapeach, Oivrim Visharim. Admoni Kulai Kaderaseyer, and he was, and he was very, very red. And he was covered in hair, and he was a Russia. You want to know about your boy, your guy you're supposed to get married to? You want to know about your man? He said, everything Hashem hates, he does. Nice, no? Good resume for this guy. Because she heard this, she was crying. She said, me and my sister Rachel came from one womb. Rachel Tinasul Yaakov Atzadik. Rachel's going to marry Yaakov Atzadik. I need the Ace of Russia, and I'm going to marry this terrible Russia. Anna. She cried and she fasted. Atzenasu Eneha Rakos till her eyes became swollen. That's why it says in this week's parsha, Eneh Leah Rakos. Her eyes were swollen. Hashem and Hashem saw that Leah hated Snuim Misa Esav Bifaneha, that she hated the deeds of her so to be husband Esav before her. Abu Rachel, she heard that she can marry Yaakov, she was happy, and proud. Since they both married Yaakov, Hashem said the following. The one that was crying and fasted and hated the deeds of Esav, and prayed before me. So therefore, she already suffered, so she will have children first. Hashem saw that Leah hated what Esav was all about. Not that Leah was hated, says the Medrash, but Kisnua Leah, that Leah hated what Esau, because he was a Russia, he saw that she hated that he was a Russia, and that she cried and she fasted, so therefore he gave her children first. Totally different translation than that he saw that Leah was hated. That's one answer. The other answer I for I know oh, that that that's the answer that I that I found on that, and the other answer it says, which is really something that's unbelievable. Who was hating over here? The angels hated Leah. Why did they hate her? Because listen carefully. The end of this measure says like this: He knew. Felt, he knew that Hashem wanted to give Leah children at this point. 
Amu Malachi Asharis from the Kodesh Baruch the angels came to God and they said, You want to give Leah children? Don't you know who came out of Leah? Shimon. And you know what came out of the, the tribe of Shimon? Zimri. Right? We know what Zimri. Zimri was the one that Pinchas killed. And because of Zimri, who came from Leah, Yiblu Esrum Abam Elif, 24,000 Jews, right, died in a plague because of Zimri, who came from Leah, who came from Shimon. So the Malachim said, you can't give her children. You know what's going to come from her children? You can't punish her and not give her children because of what's going to happen. She is a Tzadikist though. So therefore it says, God saw that the angels hated Leah because her grandsons would cause the death of 24,000 Jews. So, Hakadosh Baruch Hu saw that they hated Leah, and they didn't want her to have children. Hakadosh Baruch Hu said, "No, you can't judge her for what's going to happen in the future. You have to judge her for who she is now. And who she is now, she's a tzaddikista, and therefore she could have children." So the snua, Vayarki snua, was either snua that she hated what Esav stood for, and she suffered, and therefore she had right to have children. Or, by Yah, Hashem saw that the Malachim hated her, because from her would come the man that would cause 24,000 Jews to die. And Hashem said, you don't have a right to hate her, because what's going to happen later is not your business. Right now, she deserves to have children, and therefore, he gave her children. And a good night, and we should see Mashiach. And everyone should have, want to give everyone who is by this year, and everyone who is watching this year, the biggest bracha that Yitzchak wanted in his children, and that is clarity. A person should be able to see the difference between black and white. A person should be able to see clearly. That is the greatest bracha that we can have. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.